Welcome to First Do No Harm with Massachusetts Citizens for Life board member and physician, Dr. Mark Rollo. This broadcast will focus on medical ethics from a Catholic perspective and address abortion, physician-assisted suicide, contraception, natural family planning, IVF, healthcare proxy, and other topics. Please be advised that this show may not be appropriate for children under 13. Hello and welcome back to First Do No Harm, a show about medical ethics from a Catholic perspective. I'm Dr. Mark Rollo. Last time I featured part one of my interview with Mary Ellen Sigler, Massachusetts mom, educator, and organizational leader who spoke about the dangers of so-called comprehensive sexuality education, CSE, in the public schools, which threaten our families and our society. In this context, I quoted Pope Francis, who has said, Beware of the new ideological colonization that tries to destroy the family. It is not born of the dream that we have from God and prayer. It comes from the outside, and that's why I call it colonization. Let us not lose the freedom to take forward the mission God has given us, the mission of the family. And just as our peoples were able to say in the past, no, to the period of colonization, as families, we have to be very wise and strong to say no to any attempted ideological colonization that could destroy the family, and to ask the intercession of St. Joseph to know when to say yes and when to say no. So said Pope Francis recently. In our time, it is time to say no. It is time to say no to the ideological colonization that pollutes our children with empty messages of hypersexualization and gender ideology that exists to an increasing extent in our public schools. Mary Ellen Sigler went through this in detail the last time, especially as it relates to the Worcester Public Schools recently inviting the Trojan horse of CSE into our public schools. Comprehensive sexuality education is a kind of ideological colonization And as freedom-loving Americans, we know that colonization is a form of oppression from which we need to free ourselves. Today I will feature part two of my conversation with Mary Ellen Sigler as she continues to expound on the dangers of CSE to our children, our families, and our country. Let us first of all begin with prayer, for as stated by the U.S. Catholic bishops, only with prayer, prayer that storms the heavens for justice and mercy, 
prayer that cleanses our hearts and souls, will the culture of death that surrounds us today be replaced with a culture of life. O God, you created the family to be our first and most important school. We pray that you would continue to protect the family from outside forces that would undermine the authority and freedom of the family. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I play part two of my conversation with Mary Ellen Sigler, I would like to share excerpts from a recent speech by William Barr, former Attorney General to the United States, practicing Catholic, and a longtime defender of freedom. He delivered this speech very recently on May 20th. 2021. In this speech, he argued that the greatest threat to religious liberty in America today is the increasingly militant and extreme secular progressive climate of our state-run educational system. He opined that we are rapidly approaching the point, if we have not already reached the point, at which the heavy-handed enforcement of secular progressive orthodoxy through the government-run schools is totally incompatible with traditional Christianity and other major religious traditions in our country. In light of this development, we must confront the reality that it may no longer be fair or practical, or even constitutional, to provide publicly funded education solely through the vehicle of state-operated schools. He went on to relate that throughout the history of Western civilization, it has been generally understood that a true education, as opposed to merely the conveyance of technical skills or vocational know-how, is inherently bound up with religion and morality. It necessarily begins with the big questions. Is there truth? How do we arrive at truth? What is the end of life? How should we live? Civic virtue, moral virtue, religion, and knowledge were always regarded as inextricably linked. I will have much more to say about this important and timely address by Attorney General William Barr next time, because it is so appropriate and relevant to the recent decision by the Worcester Public School Committee to approve a radical form of comprehensive sexuality education, which undermines the family, as well as the fundamental Judeo-Christian beliefs and values upon which our country, including our public school system, has been built. Now, here is part two of my conversation with Mary Ellen Siegler. We pick up the interview as we discuss the very disturbing and apparent foregone conclusion 
by the Worcester Public School Committee to adopt a very radical and, I dare say, pornographic form of comprehensive sexuality education. From the get-go, you could tell these people had their mind made up, the school committee members, that, you know, they were just sort of checking a box and placating the public or trying to placate the public that they're listening, but they clearly weren't listening. They weren't. And in fact, when you say the the 60% of the parents who called in were opposed to it, and great number of these parents were minority parents. Of course, you yes. know they they were the part of the Hispanic community, the African American mm-hmm. community, the uh, Asian Americans, and um, the school committee, who were not members of minority groups, as far as I could tell, were you know ostensibly doing this to you know help protect kids, but the the parents of these kids were clearly not interested, and as you say, they were focused primarily on uh, pleasing the um, interest group, which is uh, primarily um, Planned Parenthood is, um, is behind a lot of this. Right, absolutely, because Planned Parenthood knows that um, in order to um, create customers, mm-hmm. they need people who are sexually active. Yeah. And so the um, teen population, particularly in a demographic like Worcester, um, where you have a lot of single family homes, you know, those kids are more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So and whenever there is a community where the student population, there's a high percentage of what's called um, an ACE score, adverse childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. So when you have, you know, a higher percentage of the student population that has high ACE scores. So these are children that come from some kind of disadvantaged background or they mm-hmm. have some challenge. They are particularly vulnerable. So they're they're very easily victimized. Mm-hmm. So Implant Parenthood knows this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are 25 super centers Planned Parenthood super centers across the nation, and a super center is a a center that's 10,000 square feet or more, Mm -hmm. and one of those is in the city of Worcester. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's really very important for Planned Parenthood to get into the Worcester School District. In fact, I don't know if you've ever heard of Monica Klein. Monica Klein was a former sex educator for Mm -hmm. Planned Parenthood. Mm. And so she, you know, she and I have become good friends because we're both in the same field fighting the same battle. Mm -hmm. But she realized one day as she was teaching her class, you know, she realized that um, what she was doing was she thought that she was doing good, Mm -hmm. that she was helping the students by giving them, you know, information. But one day, a girl in her classroom raised her hand and and asked, do I have to have sex? Do mm. I have to be sexually active? And it was in that moment that she realized that what she was doing yeah. was creating pressure, yeah. was putting pressure on the children to become sexually active. Yeah. And, you know, the research bears that out. Right. There was a report that came out that said 40%, nearly 40% of students who participate in CSE 
in a class that uses CSC curriculum Mm -hmm. feel more pressured to become sexually active than the pressure that they feel from their romantic partners. So Monica Klein realized what she was doing and she started to have a change of heart and she eventually stopped working in that regard, doing sex education for Planned Parenthood. But so she has a very unique perspective, of course, because she comes from the inside. She said that she was taught that parents are a barrier to service. And so what they were instructed to do was to create relationships and to reach out and to form relationships with young people so that the young people would begin to seek them out for advice on um, sex and other matters. So, you know, she saw the division that was happening between children and their parents as a result of this education, of this Mm -hmm. sex education approach. She also saw how they were feeling pressured to become sexually active. Mm -hmm. And she also um, began to see how it was really a brilliant Um, business model because if they could get if they could sexualize a young person Mm -hmm. that um, the average number of abortions that this young person would have well like into their 20s would be between three and four abortions Mm -hmm. so um, and this was even with the use of contraception Mm -hmm. so because we know that even among teens contraception there's no such thing as safe sex among teens yeah so, you know, that's just kind of one of those myths that's mm-hmm, out there. Mm-hmm. So when teens engage in sexual activity, it is always a high-risk activity mm-hmm, for them, mm-hmm. even if they use contraception, because many of them, uh, contraception in the teen population has a higher failure rate right. than usual. Right. So their executive functioning is not developed. Um, I'm almost done raising my kids here, but you've raised kids too, Mark, mm-hmm. so you understand that even... You know, sometimes we can't get our kids to remember to take the garbage out. When right, to brush to, their teeth or make their bed or any, any of that. Yes, ex- exactly. So, you know, we know instinctively parents understand and right, know right. that it is not healthy for children yeah. to engage. And, and speaking in of the business activity. model, as right. you mentioned, the, the mm-hmm. um, something I've mentioned on this um, program before is that half of women or teenagers getting abortions have been on some form of contraception. Right. And, uh, and Planned Parenthood knows this. Right. And so if they can increase the amount of young people who have been fed the lie of sexual freedom, right, and sexual rights and mm-hmm. the right to sexual pleasure, mm-hmm. if they can sexualize a certain population of the, of, of the student body and then they become sexually active, Right. It will automatically bring in revenue for them. Yeah. And Especially if they've put them, if they've established that relationship right. locally in the community yeah. with those children already. So, because in a certain percentage of those students, they will need STI treatments, right. they will need um, abortions, they will pursue, you know, uh, contraception also mm-hmm. through Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm learning. Uh, that they will also, some of them, be pursuing uh, puberty-blocking drugs. Yes, well, you bring up a very important point, and many people don't know this, that yeah. Planned Parenthood is the second largest provider of transgender hormone therapy. Yeah. So it's no surprise that they have gotten on the transgender bandwagon, so to speak, and mm-hmm. they are promoting that through all of the, you can go on their social media 
pages, you can go on their website and see how they are pushing transgenderism yeah. also. Tra- um, and transgender ideology is included now yeah. in comprehensive sexuality education. So it's so, it's a big, big moneymaker. Yeah. And I encourage people, if they want to find out more about, you know, the money and the people um, and the power behind the transgender movement, to check out Jennifer Bilek's blog. Her last name is B, as in boy, I-L-E-K, mm-hmm. the 11th hour. She has done an enormous amount of research on the power and the money behind this push for transgenderism, yeah. um, the transgender ideology and transgender treatments. So um, very yeah. alarming stuff indeed. Yeah, and as you said, the um, the LGBTQ, um, that whole gender ideology is very much mixed in with this so-called uh, comprehensive sex education. It is, yes, absolutely. So it's not... You know, it's not a matter of just, um, you know, proponents of CSE will claim that sex education needs to be equitable and it needs to address everybody. And, you know, I continue to assert that sexual activity for teens, whether they be heterosexual or part of the LGBT community, is high risk activity. Yeah. Yep. period for everybody so you know the information that we want to get to our students is we want to we want to assert that we want the the students to understand that this is an activity that is going to put them at high risk mm-hmm. no matter how they identify mm-hmm. and along with that i always say that it is not the purview of the school to push a certain view on matters of sexual orientation and gender identity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because these are subjects that are up for debate mm-hmm. and that many families feel very differently about right so and so in order to as- assert one view on these issues really goes way outside yeah. of what the schools should be doing. So it's, it is not in their, um, this is not their responsibility to yeah. teach on yeah. these issues. These are things that are handled at home with families, with parents. Yeah. You know, it was, it was uh, eye-opening that uh, this whole push for comprehensive sex education uh, came out of SICUS, which is the yes. organization, um, uh, Sex Information and Education Council of the United States. <laughs> I think I got that right. Yes, yes. And did. and they were they were organized in 1964, so they go way back. I was reading that the one of the beginners of this um, was a director of Planned Parenthood way back in 1964. And also, yes, Mary Calderon. Yes, yes, that was her name. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, also um, Alfred Kinsey. A lot of this yes. was based on the work of Alfred Kinsey, and people might be aware of the Kinsey Report and how he has been discredited because he based a lot of his um, research on uh, people who were sexual deviants who were in in right. uh, in prison and so forth. So it's really amazing to see that this uh, has roots going going way back into the 1960s. It, it really does. And that's what, you know, it seems so really outlandish to make that connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is uh, parents really need to understand where this whole push for comprehensive sexuality education comes from. Its roots are in 
um, an Alfred Kinseyan philosophy yeah. of sexual rights for children mm. and the right to sexual pleasure. So mm-hmm. Alfred Kinsey asserted that children were sexual from birth, mm. and he conducted his research and collected data from pedophiles. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and this seems so so extreme, mm-hmm. but it is the truth. You can mm-hmm. look it up if you go to Dr. Judith Reisman, um, who unfortunately just passed away recently, but she she has done a lot of research and had um, kind of fought against this uh, agenda for decades. She's mm-hmm. written several books, very prolific author. So, um, but she uncovered a lot of what was behind comprehensive sexuality education, mm-hmm. and it's this philosophy. And then, you know, interesting that Secus was developed by somebody from Planned Parenthood. Yeah. So, Absolutely. you know, and it's interesting, too, to note that, you know, I always say all roads lead to Planned Parenthood, and it's yeah, kind of true, right. because even... Even the largest publisher of comprehensive sexuality education curriculum is ETR Associates. And ETR Associates was established by people who worked for Planned Parenthood. So um, they kind of broke away from Planned Parenthood to start this business to sell CSE because in California, they were trying to insert CSE and parents were objecting. And they discovered that, look, the relationship between the actual curriculum and Planned Parenthood is too out front. It's Mm -hmm. too connected. Mm -hmm. It's too public. So we need to bring some degree of separation here so that if parents and community members realize that it's Planned Parenthood behind education, they're going to know um, you know, what it's all about. Yep. So they, a group of people left Planned Parenthood and started ETR Associates. Mm. So, you know, many people don't even know that. Yeah. So, um, plan, well, yes, all though, roads lead yeah, to Yeah, well, the same, the same sort of thing was going on in the, uh, in the discussion with the uh, school committee for Worcester that there was one curriculum that was obviously backed by Planned Parenthood, which was the so-called Get Real curriculum. Right. And uh, since that was brought up, they it seemed to me they opted for the three R's because that was not as uh, clearly uh, connected to Planned Parenthood, but it is. Well, it is, yes, because... Um So, you know, it doesn't really matter to Planned Parenthood which CSE curricula gets Mm -hmm. implemented into the school system because, you know, they're all kind of based on the same philosophy and they all kind of accomplish the same thing. So, you know, of course, they do start out trying to recommend their curriculum, but I think that they were just as pleased to get the three R's in as well. Advocates for Youth is a youth activist organization um, that has produced the three R's curriculum, Mm -hmm. but they are allies of Planned Parenthood, Mm -hmm. and both groups are very closely associated with SECUS. Mm -hmm. So um, there's connection all over the place, and you can... You can go to my Facebook group, uh, Massachusetts Informed Parents. I actually published a little um, piece on mm-hmm. the connections between mm-hmm. Advocates for Youth and Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. So you can see all the connections mm-hmm. there. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. I think that Planned Parenthood was pleased that the three R's yeah. was, was implemented. Well, you know, so, uh, speaking of different uh, objectives, you know, there's the objective of sexualizing children and getting them to go to Planned Parenthood and getting them to use their services, especially uh, abortion and 
and also using um, puberty blocking drugs. Uh, another uh, sort of even deeper objective is uh, apparently disrupting the nuclear family. Absolutely. And so the the and that's kind of a a Marxist um, a goal is to, if you read Marxism going all the way back to the 1800s, one way to seize power is to take power away from the nuclear family. Yes, absolutely. So that's another um, sort of a sinister thing behind uh, the comprehensive sex education. Right. Well, and it goes back to what I, you know, said, Monica Klein um, said that parents are a barrier to service. So parent, the family, see, the family is the foundation of any healthy society. Mm -hmm. So if you can break apart the family and disintegrate the family and those family ties and bring separation between children and their parents, and Mm -hmm. even if you can, you know, um, push an LGBT um, agenda in that um, ideology, mm-hmm. these things affect, of course, the stability of the nuclear family. Yeah. And so once that family starts breaking apart and the strength of society and of individual communities begins to disintegrate, then that leaves opportunity for government to come in and to have more control. So ultimately, yeah. it really goes back, it always goes back, to, my husband always likes to remind me, everything ultimately is about money and power. Yeah. So, um, yeah. especially power. If, yeah. So if you have, if you, you know, have a, a group of people who are struggling and the government, you know, is more than happy to step in and help, mm-hmm. then that equals power and mm-hmm. control. Mm-hmm. So on a broad scale, that's ultimately what we're talking about yeah. here, right? But these these policies and initiatives and agendas are having real-life consequences for individual families yeah. and for individual young people. I get the phone calls, Mark, from yeah. parents who are upset because of things that have happened to their children while in school mm-hmm. and you know how the heart of their child is being turned against them or being turned yeah. against the, the things that that turned away from the things that their parents have tried to instill yeah. upon them and so it's really really heartbreaking here those individual stories this concludes part two of my conversation with mary ellen sigler Tune in next time for the final segment of the interview when we will further discuss how our public schools are exploiting our children and subverting our families. Until next time, remember, we should always treat life with care and respect. And at the very least, we should first do no harm. Thank you for tuning in to First Do No Harm. Dr. Rollo welcomes your questions and comments. You may contact him at markrollo978 at gmail.com. That's M-A-R-K-R-O-L-L-O 978 at gmail.com. Thank you, and until next week, remember, first do no harm.